oh, I forgot somebody else. At our closing dinner, Donald Comer stood up and said, I am going to support everyone in this room. I'm going to give you a free membership to the National Black MBA Association for a year. And the winning team will be hosted. We will pay, FedEx will pay for them to be in the competition. University of Alabama's Colorado's College of Business is Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories most people both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and the show today, Connie Chambers. Connie is the executive recruiter for Manderson Graduate School here at the University of Alabama. She sat down with us today to talk about what she does for her students day in and day out, and her own personal journey as well. How are you doing today, Connie? I'm doing great. Thank you. Anyways, having down seen you on this podcast, we're going to cover a few different topics, your own personal life, as well as sort of what you do for Manderson and for all the students here at Alabama. And then also we're going to have a partner episode with this talking about the recruiting process. Is that correct? That's perfect. Yeah, awesome. looking forward to it. So to get started with your own personal life, sure. how did you end up at the University of Alabama? I know it is a crooked path, that's for sure. But the love of Alabama has always been here. Um, grew up in Tuscaloosa all my life. So the University of Alabama was the heart of our city. We love um, the university and always thought this would be where I would go. So as I finished high school, I looked at one other school, and that was not really seriously. I definitely wanted to come to Alabama, so I did choose to come to Alabama and get my degree. It wasn't in business, but it was from the uh, College of um, Human Environmental Sciences. So my degree was a little different. It was uh, early childhood with an emphasis in um my degree was in early childhood education with an emphasis in human development. So that was really what I wanted to have was not just the education K through three, but really understanding people, which is funny because I didn't like psychology classes, but I loved human development. And that's a great, I know a couple of people mm -hmm. who are in that program right now, and they're very people oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at your personality, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? I think I'm an extrovert. Uh, I love to be around people. I don't look for that moment that I've got to go and kind of, you know, kind of get away from the hustle and bustle. I think I probably do much better being around a lot of people. And obviously with early childhood education, I saw myself around kindergartners and actually didn't end up in that field post-graduation because retail was what I had done through my high school years, and as I was in my college years, I had uh, several jobs uh, around town, and retail was what I loved. Now, I think a lot of students here, a lot of people when they're working in high school, maybe mm -hmm. in college, encounter some kind of retail, some kind of customer service-oriented job. Are there any big lessons you took away from that that you can sort of say that you're still stick with you? Nowadays? Oh, oh, definitely. I think retail, just getting to know someone, finding out what they need. And that's often what I did. Whatever, uh, I sold shoes, I sold jewelry, a number of you know clothing, and really asking someone, what are you looking for? Can I help you? If you don't need my help, I'm just going to let you look around. 
If not, I'd love to help you. And primarily for the major part of my retail experience, it was customer service. It wasn't something that a customer could come in and look without being helped. So it was really getting to know people. And that that holds true in what I do today as well. And myself, I, I worked for uh, Nike mm-hmm. uh, in between you know, graduating high school and coming here to Alabama. And I found in like the three months I worked for them, I learned so much about people. Just because you interact with people from all different places, they come in seeing the same thing. But how do you help them? How do you approach them and make sure to orient whatever you're saying to them to best fit whatever their needs may be? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lessons that we learn. I sort of encourage everyone to at least have a retail customer mm-hmm. service job at one point in their life just to get those people skills overall. Uh, so you graduate mm-hmm. college. You go on to work in retail. How mm-hmm. do you end up back at Alabama of all places? I know. I know. So very interesting career path. So I did continue in retail. And then my husband and I started our family. Thought I would go right back into retail. Couldn't imagine being a stay-at-home mom. But I actually loved being a stay-at-home mom. So I began my career um, as a stay-at-home mom, which led to another career, and that was being a volunteer. So as my daughters got older, uh, and even even as three- and four-year-olds, they were at the University of Alabama because they were a part of the Child Development Center. So I always stayed very close to the university not knowing that I would return in in the matter I did, but I did stay involved with the university. So as our daughters uh, went into school, I started doing uh, volunteer work for their teachers, doing a number of different things, and then ultimately was the president of a large organization in Tuscaloosa, a volunteer, which really was like a full-time job. And it was very community-oriented, Loved all the things that I I was able to do through that. I was leadership Tuscaloosa. Really, even though I had lived in Tuscaloosa all my life, there were pockets of Tuscaloosa I didn't know. So I was opened up to that. Once again, leadership Tuscaloosa at that time was uh, a product of the University of Alabama. And so came to the end of my two years of real huge leadership roles within this organization. And I couldn't see myself not doing anything. I just was like, I've enjoyed my volunteer. The girls are older. They don't want me at the school all the time. Mom, you know, go do your thing. So I joined my husband in his business. So love doing that. Um, Was flexible enough to be able to do some of the things again as a volunteer. Well, he fired me. He never <laughs> likes for me to say that. He doesn't like that He when I say that. But um, the, the business took a different direction. And he really didn't need me on the payroll, so to speak. So my next door neighbor and I shared carpools. And we were dropping the children off one day. And she said, would you happen to be looking for a job? And I said, I have been. And I've been looking at Shelton State and the university. I could see myself as an academic advisor because myself, I went through five different majors or colleges while I was in the university just looking for what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be in PR and I thought I wanted to be in 
social work. I, I went to a couple of different routes. And so I said, I know I can help a student with their career path, not their career path, their academic path. And she said, well, that's, that's great. The position that's open in my office that I work in is not academic, but it does have some flavor. It's more student services. She said, would you be interested in interviewing? So I did. I interviewed. And a week later, I was working at the Manderson Graduate School of Business. I mean, look at that. A crazy it turn of events. It was, yes. Growing up living and still being in Tuscaloosa, a lot of people say it's a city for sure. I think there are parts of, you know, elements to it, which make it a city. But I myself come from, like, Denver, right. which is, like, a million-plus people. A lot of people in a small space. Sure. Tuscaloosa is very spread out. Like you said, there are mm -hmm. pockets that are all over the place, very diverse, you know, okay. backgrounds. What do you think you've learned about growing up in Tuscaloosa and why you appreciate it and still live here to this day? Right. It's really the university. If you think about Tuscaloosa and you remove the University of Alabama – I'm not sure what Tuscaloosa would be. Tuscaloosa brings in so many educated, diverse people that it really grows us. Or we could have stayed very stagnant, in my opinion. We could have stayed um, small town. And I think we are small town with big thoughts. And I think that's because of the university. Uh, Again, going back to my retail days, I know I would hear town people, people from Tuscaloosa, I cannot wait for the students to go home. McFarland Boulevard will be back to its normal, not rush hour. And I was like, no, do you know what happens when our students leave? It really is so much that our city depends on the influx of students for a not just economical, reasons, but also for the reasons of having students work at our retail, students work in our restaurants, the services that they bring and their families that they bring. It's, it's amazing to me. So as I think about Tuscaloosa and what really has made our city grow is as the population of the university grew. Because when I was in school, I think student enrollment was probably between 18 and 20,000, probably leaning more toward the 18. So if you think about it now, 39,000. So clearly double what you were having back right. then. And that really has happened within my career at the university, that growth with President Witt's initiative. So you get hired, you get off mm -hmm. this job mm -hmm. in corporate relations. Mm -hmm. And by all means, I'm not going to mm -hmm. assume anything too much. Right. But you haven't been all too involved in corporate people a ton. Right. I mean, you went through early child development, mm -hmm. you worked retail. How did you start that role? I mean, it seems like there was a, a big wall to scale in getting that position. You're correct. And uh, a number of my friends would say, repeat your job again. Now, what are you doing? You're working in the business school. How many business classes did you take? So as I began my career with Manderson, I started in career services, which the component of at that time, there had never been a full-time career services employee devoted to working with students. 
Um, Nanderson was starting to grow. There had been an unbelievable vision by our, at that time, our dean and the director of Nanderson really started. They knew that our MBA program could be different from any other MBA program. Because at that time, most MBA programs had a work requirement. So what our program did was remove the work requirement, but very heavy attention to students that had excelled in leadership and had shown that they were driven. So the admissions were looking for very driven students that had a record of being able to take on a large amount of projects and, and really go beyond what the classroom may have required. So the restrictions to the students that were admitted met our corporate needs. And so at that time, consulting was huge. So that was big. So uh, we were able to provide students to our corporate partners that didn't have work experience but because of how we infused some things into our academics, they could come out of our program almost having a, a year's worth of work experience, working on projects. Uh, we would work with a number of companies that would come in and we would be consultants. Mm -hmm. So it was so different. So you're getting back to your original question, how did I get on board? Well, when I, when I came in, career services, and once again, because of our dean, because of our director, we really had a plan in place for this program to do so well. And it, our students were doing amazing. So my first couple of years were really just working with students, deciding of their three offers, which did they want to take. So it was companies were... Uh, knocking at our door, and that gave me a time to really learn how to set up relationships with companies that were coming to campus, how to prepare students, and it gave me about two years to really get caught up. And then there was kind of a, there was a dive in the economy. And uh, things were not as easy as they had been when I first started working with students and co corporate partners. Um, corporate partners would, would come and say, we want to be on campus, we want to meet your students, but we're not going to be able to hire. But will you be willing to let us come on campus so that we don't lose our brand? So that was incredible to me, that we would have companies that would say, I'm just transparency. We can't hire this year because of the economy, but we will be back and we will guarantee you that we're going to hire you know, five of your students. And so I think those early years when they were really easy years, I might want to say, where our students were in high demand and it was because of the economy and then that dive I've, I made it through that dive because of those early years. And I think what's showing even now more days is that that first generation of students that you really helped out are starting to come back. They're starting to have those 
leadership roles want to control a lot more of the hiring initiatives and make Alabama a priority. Is that what you see, sort of see in the trend nowadays? Absolutely. So as I transitioned from career services to corporate development and corporate partnerships, my first partners have been our alums and they want to come back and give back. Am I answering your question? That's perfect. Am I hitting on? what you're hitting all the right um, points. So the students, not only the students that had a, the, the opportunity to have a number of job offers when they were going out of the program, the students that were in the moment in time where we might have had an economic downfall that really resulted in a harder struggle in finding that first job out of the program, they also wanted to come back because they remembered. I remember the struggle when I was trying to find my first job post-graduate school. And I am so thought thankful. So as those alums come back, they're reminded of the professors that helped them the academic advisors that helped them, the other alums that helped them, and they come back and give back. And that's just an incredible circle. It's not a circle of life, but it is a circle of giving back and remembering what it was like when they were in the program and the, the ability to give back that they're in the position that they can do that. Now, this is going to be more of a marketing question, which I think you're very fit for answering just because of your experience and how you're involved in the school, mm-hmm. is that some people argue that Alabama has got a very young student population. We look at the average rates and our average MBA students around 22 to 23 years old. Great. Some of the other programs tend to be like 26, 27, because they have a couple of years of experience. Why do you think Manderson pushes for that younger student to get engaged in a master's degree? What do you think sets them apart from other students across country? Right. And that's a great question, because as we began that new philosophy of having younger students, we saw other schools. Even Harvard went years ago, they would accept students with no work experience, but then they required them to get two years, and then they would have their automatic application accepted, and they would join. So we saw other schools going you're own to something. And what we found is that students at the University of Alabama and in Culver House, we have two MBA programs. We have a traditional MBA program and we have an EMBA program. So with our EMBA, we are targeting that older student, that student that does have work experience. And they're in that really probably mid-management level. And they've, they've seen they've hit a glass ceiling unless they have their MBA. So, And then we have our traditional. So we don't want to really, we've got both MBAs. So what has been really good for the traditional And to your point of the younger student, we have the younger student, but we have the professors that are teaching both. They're teaching the EMBAs and the MBAs. And what is wonderful about that is our faculty are meeting with students that are in their mid-management 
and they're hearing current dilemmas that those students are having in their work. And they're really staying so in touch with what is going on in the corporate world that they bring that back into the classroom for our traditional students. So there's a there's just this beautiful blend of bringing that expertise from our EMBAs into our traditional classrooms. So what we have is not only from the research that our faculty do that is staying very current, we've got current executives that are bringing in knowledge so that our faculty can say, I just talked to a senior management executive about supply, supply chain issues. Let me tell you what's going on. And so it brings it to life. So I think it infuses more than just a textbook approach. So I think that's what our students in the traditional program get. It is out of the book, out of the textbook. It's really getting boots on the ground and, and getting information that's very, very current. And that our expectations, the Manderson standard, is that you're going to be competing with candidates that do have more work experience and are older. What are you going to do? How are you going to differentiate yourself? So that's what we capitalize on is how are you going to make yourself different? And how are you going to make yourself different? And that begins day one of being admitted into the MBA program, into Manderson, not just the MBA, but into Manderson, our specialized masters and our MBAs. Now, this might be a pointed question. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you work with the MBA program, the, the Matt Manderson Graduate School. Mm -hmm. Talking to undergraduate students, or maybe people who are even considering Alabama, from day one, I always say, first stop should be your advising office, making sure the career, no, making sure that your academic advising is all taken care of, the class schedule is all set up, you're good to go. The next stop should be the career center. No matter what shape, what major you are, you should always start thinking about the future. And it's hard because looking to the future, that's four years out if you're, you know, mm -hmm. your first year here. Yeah. I think that's a little intimidating for a lot of people. And we're going to have a second episode cover story more yep. just the whole entire recruitment mm -hmm. process. Right. But why do you pitch people coming in sooner rather than later to start talking about careers rather than waiting towards you know, their senior year to get that first job or to get that first experience talking with a career center? Is to get comfortable. It really is to get comfortable with something very uncomfortable. It is, I think, the fear of rejection. And I think that we are learning and helping students learn. It's not rejection. It's about fit. And not every student is the right fit for a job. And every job's not the right fit for a student. So the conversation of understanding that you need to learn what you want to do and you need to also understand what the role is and diving deeper into not just, I've got to have a job. It's, I want a job and I want a job that's a match for me and a match for the company. That it's a, it's a 
it's a, a relationship. I mean, it's got to be a mutually beneficial relationship. And that really takes conversation. It takes understanding, which leads to confidence. And when I think, when I say confidence, I'm not, I'm not talking about cocky. It's just the confidence in being able to ask questions so that when you're in an interview, Confidence so that when you're in an interview, you can ask questions. It's not all about you answering the questions. Really, actually, most recruiters tell me they just want to get to the end of the interview so they can hear the questions the candidate has, because that's more telling about where where do they see themselves in the future? Where do they see themselves as a contributor? Those kind of things. So think it's the confidence that the career center can give you. Confidence in your resume, confidence in your interview skills, just the little things that we all take for granted. And we think maybe a very simple question from an interviewer, if you really dive into it, it's probably a little deeper than you thought. And you need to really define and refine your answers, but yet they've got to be yourself. It's a great way of pointing that out. Whenever I'm walking into the career center and I'm walking back to your office, you're either usually standing almost like a 99% of the time you're standing at your desk, working on something on the phone call, maybe on a zoom call. You're always going, you're always go, go, go. Always trying to meet someone, talk to someone to benefit the students. Obviously that's why you keep up all these relations. Now, we're talking more about your personal life mm-hmm. right now. Okay. You always seem to be happy, which is Thank something you. I always noted, and I always like have respect for people who have that. Even though you might go and be going through some kind of struggle, maybe it's a down day, maybe it's you know pouring rain outside, and you just got drenched walking here. <laughs> How do you see yourself being able to keep such a positive attitude on a daily basis? I really say it, it comes from the top. It comes from those around me and around me throughout my career in Culver House, I have been surrounded by so many people that have impacted me that to your point, if I had one of those days, I just need to step into their office and listen to what they're doing. And it motivates me. And it's hard not to walk in this building and see a student and not be motivated for what we do. And that is, that's what, that's what makes me happy. And um, from day one, when I worked in, walked in the office, it was just Manderson had, it just had a feel. It just had a home and, uh, and there were, when I joined Manderson, there were mentors that have, to this day, I will say, what would Dr. Foster think about this? What would Dean Mason think about this? What would Dr. Cashman do? And there have been those impactful individuals that, you know, if I had a critical moment when I was feeling maybe like I wasn't providing the best services for students based on economical 
downfall or something that may be going on. Because uh, I, when a student doesn't get a job offer, I'm right there with them. I, I feel I feel their disappointment and what can I do? You know that sometimes I feel like what did I what did I miss? What did I miss in coaching? But then I realize also it might have not been the right fit for the student either. It could have been given the offer, they might have thought about it a second time and said, I don't think it's a fit. So I think for me, the circle of people that I surround myself with have been the ones that have brought me the most enjoyment for what I do and the passion for what I do. And they seek me out, I think, or I seek them out. So I think that's probably what happens. Going to the University of Alabama for school, as well as coming back and working here, it's had a huge impact on your life, who you are. I think you've had your own impact as well on so many students' lives, the countless number of people who come into your office just ask a simple question. I would like to ask a question, which I think is going to be a hard one for you to answer. Oh, no. <laughs> what is the one great memory that Alabama has gifted you that you're going to hold with you for the rest of your life that you can think of? Oh, that is that is a difficult one. Um, besides the people that I've been allowed to meet, because I think often my path would never have passed Dennis Schuler, Kenneth Kelly. I, I could roll off a number of names that uh, Gary Morrison. I would have never been able to cross paths with those people if it hadn't have been for this position. But one thing that I really think about as I look, they're probably two. They're probably two. Uh, years ago, we hosted a Culver House diversity competition. And what we did is we invited students from juniors and seniors from universities that we tried to target that didn't have MBA programs and that didn't have real strong business schools. Uh, so we were targeting really students that were in education or history. We were looking for that non-business student. And what we wanted to do is invite them to campus, host them for two days. We, we hosted them on campus. Uh, they had teams. We brought them in and gave them the Manderson experience. So um, targeted the historically um, Black universities and co colleges and universities uh, around, around the Alabama area within four hours. The first year was a struggle. It was a struggle to get schools, to understand what we were doing, to find the right person to talk to, uh, kept on being directed to the wrong person. But then the second year, I got a little smarter. I took students with me, and we went and visited some schools. We didn't make appointments. We just knocked on the door, and we said, we are hosting a competition. We would love to see your school come and have a team. So we visited about five colleges and universities, and we got – I wish I'd known. I prepared a little bit better for this question. I think we had 12 teams. 
which was incredible. And, and we invited our corporate partners to be judges. And we really and truly, this experience for these juniors and seniors was exactly like what we do for our MBAs. And so at our closing dinner, oh, I forgot somebody else. At our closing dinner, Donald Comer stood up and said, I am going to support everyone in this room. I'm going to give you a free membership to the National Black MBA Association for a year. And the winning team will be hosted. We will pay, FedEx will pay for them to be in the competition. And that was, I mean, I, I was sitting there. He had never mentioned anything about that. Now, I'll have to say, Donald, now, when we first started talking about doing this competition, we needed to have funds. The college did give us significant funding, but said, try to, you know, we would like for you to find corporate funding. FedEx stepped up to the table, $40,000. Wow. With one sentence, all I said is we're hosting a diversity competition for juniors and seniors in high school. He said 40000 And I was like, what? <laughs> so anyway, then, uh, then we had the third year, which um, we didn't have as many teams. And, um, and as, we, as we reflected over several different things, um, the competition was not continued. But what we did is we decided that the best use of our funding would be to give um, to support National Black MBA in scholarships. So we started, we were one of the first four schools to be a part of a partnership that students could apply for a scholarship with Alabama through the National Black. So even though we didn't host the competition post that three years, I felt like what we did in addressing the diversity issue that we needed to address within the master's and MBA program, I felt like that had been achieved, even though the competition was so much fun and nothing yourself, you will say this too, coming on campus and feeling like a student was the experience that we wanted to give them that they had never never thought about perhaps coming to Alabama. And as a result, we did have a number of students apply. And I think five students were accepted and received their MBA from Alabama as a result of the competition. I think that's a great memory, a long lasting yeah. one for sure. That just goes to show how involved you were, how integral you were to the whole process, well. but also connecting all those students with those corporate partners, sort of mm -hmm. what your job is and how well you execute it, I think speaks perfectly to your resume yeah. and what you do for every student here on campus. Thank you. Well, Connie, it was great having a conversation with yeah. you. I appreciate all of your time. And yeah. how can people best reach out if they do want to have a conversation with you? I, I'd love for them to just come to my office. I'd love a drop by, um, email, or you know, you know, any way they can find me. Just ask somebody where my office is, send them my way. That's Kyan Chambers, Executive Recruiter at Manderson. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at callrouse.ua.edu 
learn more about the Carvel's college business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.